Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning. You know, I love mission. I believe, you know, it's already been said, every single one of us has a part to play in the Great Commission. It might be in Cambridge for you. It might be in Ghana. It might be in India. It might be you need to find out where it is. But actually, you know, I love, and I can honestly say, I I have one of the best jobs in the world. I get to travel. Just last week, I was in Ethiopia and Uganda visiting some of the projects. Now, you might think, what relevance has that got to Cambridge? Actually, you guys, that land, you have helped to purchase that land. So thank you on behalf of every widow involved in that project. You know, it's been a tough year. You know, sometimes we, we have this concept that as Christians, everything's, you know, we give our life to Jesus, God calls us to do, we step out of the boat, and, you know, and sometimes actually it, it can be quite tough. But actually this year has been an incredibly tough year. With one thing or another, but actually going to Uganda last week has almost replenished the fire that I have with inside of me. You know, for whatever reason, that project has struggled. But what they've done is exactly what we've been trying to get them to do. Looking for self-sustainability. The land that you helped to buy is now being farmed. And, you know, they had a vision. We had a vision of what was going to happen on that land. A wow village. But actually, over the last year, what they've done is they've looked at what was around them. They looked at what they had that they could get hold of cheaply. And they've produced cash crops. They've produced enough fruit, vegetables. They've started to grow coffee with a vision that actually we can feed the widows with what we grow. But actually, another piece of land that we've bought just on the roadside is actually to set up a cafe and a shop that they can actually generate more income from. So out of what we were considering was quite a desperate situation, God had a plan and had his purpose. And sometimes, as human beings, we like to, come on, let's be honest, we like to meddle in what God's got in store for us, don't you? you think Sometimes we think we know better, and we like to mess around and poke and prod, but actually sometimes we have to step out of that situation to allow God to actually step into that situation. And I've come back from Uganda almost with... I went with with very, very difficult conversations to have. And actually, I've come back and you go, actually, God, you have a plan and you have a purpose for this situation. So thank you for everything that you've done. I know that there's another WOW walk booked in for the 20th of September. All right, all being well. Rachel will be here for that. Actually, I'll come as well because, you know, she can't drive that far. It's a long way. I don't like her driving my car, if I was honest. (laughs) So... um, it's a reasonable, no, it's, it's reasonable. Barbecue, <laughs> food as well. I'm definitely coming then. So I want to thank you in advance. We will have the paperwork out for you within the next couple of days. Rachel, unfortunately, came down with food poisoning yesterday. So I spoke to her this morning. She's still not very well. So she wanted me to pass on her love and her thanks for everything that you do. You know, as we've sat in this morning's meeting, and I woke up this morning quite early, and was just sort of like mulling through in my head what I was going to speak on. And I had one thing in my head, you know, sometimes 
you have it planned. And again, God goes, actually, no. And if you wanted a title for my message this morning, it's Radical Obedience Through Prayer and Submission. We've already heard about stepping out of the boat, actually stepping into the waters for the first time. And I really believe that actually, having personally done a lot of this, and it's not to say that I'm a know-it-all in any stretch of any imagination, and thanks really Rachel's not here to back me up on that, because she'd agree with that, but actually, it's a journey that I've been on. It's a journey that we've been on as a couple, that we've been on as an organization. You know, when I look back, and I just had to stop and almost reassess and assess everything that God's done. You know, from the very start of when we are conceived, God has a plan and a purpose for every sin. God doesn't make mistakes. There is no such thing as a mistake. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know what I am doing. This is the message version. I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a hope for the future. From the day that we are conceived, God has it all planned out. I can give you a great example of that. Me. I'm adopted. Okay, I could have been seen as a mistake. But actually God had a plan and a purpose. And of all the people in Great Britain, my mum and dad chose me. I grew up being told that I was chosen. All I can say is the rest of the kids in the booklet, or whatever, must have been really ugly. (laughs) But actually that doesn't matter. They chose me. They chose me. That isn't coincidence. That isn't one of those things. Oh, that was lucky, wasn't it? That was God's divine plan and purpose for my life. He knew from the moment that I was conceived, and this is the mind-blowing thing about it all, he knew what he was going to call me to do from the moment that I was conceived. From the moment that I was conceived, he knew that I would run World Christian Ministries. He knew that I would have a passion for mission. He knew that I would be desperate, desperate to see lives changed. All from, if you wanted to look at it as a mistake, no chance. Absolutely no chance. God had a plan and a purpose. You know, I remember, as Phil said, mum and dad doing World Christian Ministries. Dad used to work as a night manager for Asda's. He used to work nights, come home. And the first thing he used to do when he would come home was open the mail to look for any checks for World Christian Ministries. And being a, must have been about a 12-year-old kid, I used to love hiding the mail from him. It used to wind him up, something rotten. There was two things I used to do in the morning. And some of you will remember this because you're old enough, and others of you won't. I used to hide the mail from him. And what I used to do as well was, Open the milk from the doorstep because you used to get that little bit of cream at the top of the milk, didn't you? You used to drive him nuts when I do that. Pour it on my cornflakes, lots of sugar. That's a side issue. But, oh, now I tell you what, I really fancy a bowl of cornflakes right now. (laughs) Phil? (laughs) But, you know, I remember Dad being passionate and actually fulfilling what God had called him to do. Go back a generation to my dad. 
who at the age of 16 left school, couldn't read, couldn't write, were told by the teachers, you will never amount to anything, you will never do anything. But God had a plan and a purpose. And we're now 37 years into doing WCM, and I don't say this lightly, thousands of lives have been changed by one man who listened to what God was calling him to do. When others around him said, actually, that isn't what you should do. It's, it's mind-blowing. But God has a plan and a purpose. 22 years ago, I went to India for the very first time. And this is part story, part leading to my ministry for this morning. And I remember going to India purely to stop them nagging me. Because we had a house that was open to missionaries. And whenever a missionary would come, it was my bed that they slept in. All right, I had to sleep at the bottom of my mum and dad's bed. And he snored something rotten. But actually, you know, I grew up with the mentality that missions were, missionaries were a bit of an inconvenience. The project leaders that would come over from India, come from Africa, come from Philippines and would stay at our house were an inconvenience to me. But they all nagged me, oh, you must come and see what we do. You must come and see. Please come and see. So after years of nagging, I gave in. And I decided I would go to India. You know, now, when before you go on missions, we do all cross-cultural training. We prepare you for everything. We tell you what you should wear. We tell you what clothes you should take. We tell you about mosquitoes. My dad didn't do any of that. <laughs> he didn't do any of that at all. I turned up in India. Logic, 20-something-year-old. It's going to be hot. It's going to be warm. It's going to be stuffy. I took one pair of trousers for Sunday. All right. One shirt for Sunday. And about six pairs of shorts and t-shirts and vest tops and everything else like that. Thinking, there we go. I turned up for breakfast for the very first morning at this lady's house. And it was like I had committed the ultimate sin. She ran towards me as I had a pair of vests. I had a vest top on and my shorts on. It was, ooh, I thought, my legs aren't that bad. But you know, she said, oh, no, no, you can't wear this. You can't wear that. Cross-cultural training? Nah. You know, and do you know what? I wore the same trousers for nearly two weeks. They stood in the corner of the room on their own when I did. I didn't pack them because I didn't want to contaminate the rest of my case. I'm sure that probably even now some, some guy in India is walking around in a pair of trousers that I left there. But you know, something on that trip clicked inside of me and I knew there was no turning back. It was about listening to what God was calling me to do and actually stepping out. It took a three-year-old little girl whose head was shaved, who stood at the back of the, 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 the area where we were at. I mean, I'm normally pretty popular when I go because I've got sweets or I've got cakes, and, and every kid runs towards you. But this little girl didn't move. She just stood motionless. And I got talking to the project leader, and I said, tell me her story. What's, what's her name? Where's she come from? Her name was Christina. She had been brought into the home three days before this, and both of her parents had died in a fire. Three years old, out playing, comes home. Life has changed forever. You know, I think of her now. I think of Christina, head shaved. She, she didn't look pretty. She just looked a mess. Her skin was scaly. She hadn't been cared for. She was slightly malnourished. All of the things that when you look at, but actually something within me said, 
You need to do something. So I just said, well, we'll sponsor her. And actually, you know, over the last 23 years as it is now, I've seen Christina grow from that three-year-old girl into a great student, into a mum, into somebody who's now caring for her son, Matthew, who is now three years old. And whenever we go to India, wherever we are, whatever she's doing, she will travel for hours on a train just to come and see us because of the investment that we made into her life. Receiving education, receiving food, receiving values, but actually more than anything else, above anything else that we do, she received Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Come on, that is just... It wasn't a straightforward journey becoming to, the, to be the directors of World Christian Ministries. It wasn't a, something that just happened. You know, that trip to India and to me taking over as director of World Christian Ministries took 15, nearly 16 years of heartache, of tears, of desperation. But do you know what? Every time I seemed to hit that wall... I went back to that original calling that God called me when I was stood with that little girl. He spoke to me very, very clearly and said, you need to respond. It just wasn't sponsoring Christina. It was about doing something and giving things up in order to see others valued, to see others become Christians, to see them actually valued, to see them, to see the vulnerable cared for, to see the widows given homes, all the things that we do. And I look back at it now And I think God had it all planned, all planned out from the moment that I was conceived. It's absolutely mind-blowing. So if you like, I've learned how important praying about circumstances are, about actually listening to what God is calling you to do, about listening to what he has planned for you. And some of you might be sat there with that horrible feeling in your stomach where it's turning around slightly you're going, he's not talking to me, he's not talking to me. No, listen, I'm talking to you. There are people sat here where you do need to respond to what you're being called to do. You've been given opportunities to actually respond, to do something, to equip yourself. You know, God never calls the equipped. He equips you along the way. You don't have to be qualified. Just look at the disciples. They were basic human beings like you and me. They weren't rocket scientists. They were fishermen. They were carpenters. But actually, they had a heart and were willing to listen and to learn and to see lives changed. That's what it takes. You know, over the last two years, as a family, it's been tough. And there's been times where, I'm being honest with you this morning because I've, you know, got nothing to hide with it. There's been times when we've cried out to God and gone, God, what are you trying to teach us? Can you just please hurry up and teach us this lesson so we can move on? It's uncomfortable. I don't like being stretched this far. But as you, you know that when you're going through that storm, that you have got to come through it and you will have learned so much from going through that storm. You know... I can honestly say that without a shadow of a doubt, I am and we are as a couple exactly where God wants us to be. From that moment of conception 
to meeting Rachel, to doing WCM, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. But I had to respond to the call that was put upon my life. I had to respond to what God was calling me to do. Great example of listening to what God is calling you to do. If you've got your Bibles, hopefully you've got your Bibles or your iPads or your iPhones, just when you get the chance, I'm not going to do it now for the sake of time, when you go home, read the story of Esther. The story of Esther, a girl who was abandoned, an orphan who was completely out of her death socially, a Jewish girl who was put into circumstances and into situations where she could have said, hey, this isn't me. I don't want to be doing this. I'm I'm slightly uncomfortable doing this, but actually she listened to what God was calling her to do. And when she did this, it says in verse chapter 4, verse 14, if you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief from the Jew, for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows? Who knows? Perhaps you were made queen for a time such as this. When you look, there is no way that Esther should have ended up as queen. She was completely unsuitable. She was completely the wrong religion, the wrong race, all of those things. But actually, God had a plan and a purpose. Esther was given an opportunity. God had chosen her. He had positioned her. Her life, everything she had gone through was preparation for what she was being called to do. But she had to recognize that. And she had to submit and she had to make a choice. She had to make a choice to put others over herself. Do you recognize this morning what God's calling you to do? It will be uncomfortable. It will mean you doing things you've not done for the first time. But I can say that he will never fail you. I can say that finances will be stretched, but you will pay every bill. They might be late, but you will pay every bill. God will never, ever fail you. Esther took courage and put herself in a position outside of a comfort zone and in front of the king. But before she did this, when reading through the story, she did four things. She assessed four areas. What's the worst that can happen? She had to focus and prioritize. She had to look at what help she needed and what help she could get. And then she had to move forward. She had a choice to make where she was going to take everything she had learned and move forward. So looking at these, breaking these down, the first one is what's the worst that can happen. For Esther, this is pretty serious. She could have died. She could have been put to death if the king had taken it and realized everything that had gone on. But for us, surely it's better to have tried and to experience those things and to have had the opportunities than to have just sat there and gone, I don't know whether it is for me. I don't know whether really I'm going to do that. What about my mortgage? 
What about the kids? Well, I can't do it now. Perhaps I'll come back to it a little bit later. But actually, sometimes we do need to step out. You know, I love the story, and it was referred to, Phil referred to it this morning, of Peter getting out of the boat. You know, when you look at Peter, before he got out of the boat, he had to stand. That boat would have rocked, and it would have impacted those around him. It wasn't just Peter who would have been affected by his actions. When he stepped out of the boat, he was focused on Jesus. He was there. And as he started to move forward, he walked on water. And as he took those brave steps, the others, I can imagine in the boat going, dude, we've missed an opportunity there. Look, 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 he's out on that. And then all of a sudden, Peter must have had the realization of, <laughs> and as soon as he took his focus off Jesus, that's when he started to sink. That's when he started to struggle. He started to sink. But actually, how many other people in the Bible do you read about that walked on water? He could have missed an opportunity, but he chose to respond. Did he fail? No. He got out of the boat. He did what he was called to do. What's your boat? What is your comfort zone? What do you need to step out of this morning? The second thing that this leads to, it leads to focus and priority. Prioritize. Esther had to do this. Esther had to choose to put others before herself. She knew what she was called to do and she knew that she could make a difference. Us, what's inside of us? When it comes to focus, I've got to be honest with this one. And Rachel will back this up. I am absolutely hopeless at focus and prioritizing. You know, Rachel, when she works, she works very systematically. She will do this, and then she will do this, and she will do this, and she'll have one thing on the go on her desk. My desk? It's great. I've, I've, got, I've got my PC, I've got my Mac, I've got my iPad, and I've got all these things. I'm normally working on all four of them on different projects. And Rachel will come to me, are you doing it? Yeah, I'm doing that now. Well, are you doing Yeah, I'm on that as well. Are you doing that? No, I'll do that bit in a minute. But actually, when it comes to focus on priorities, I'm not that good. But actually, and I can say this because she's not here, and please don't repeat this, and if this is being recorded, pause this because I don't want to hear it on a podcast. Rachel is a great example of focus and priority. You know, she can just go, it doesn't matter. if she's. I can say to her, do you want a cream cake in the office? And she just doesn't even register. It doesn't zone in. She's focused on what she's doing right there and right then. You know, I had to learn some lessons when we took over from my dad 10 years ago. If you'd have said to him, what does World Christian Ministries do? You'd have said, we feed, we clothe, we educate. He would have, he would have told you. And if you said to him, how many countries do we do it in? He would have said, well, actually, we do it in 12 countries. Actually, the reality of it was we actually did it in 23 countries, but we did little bits here and there. And we had to sit with my dad and go, actually, what we need to do is we need to stop, look, focus, and prioritize what we do and how we do it. We need to make the best use of the time and the finances that we have. And we narrowed it down. And we thought that, wow, that's so much better. We're slick now. We've streamlined. We can focus on all the things that we do. And in my mind, 
in my human mentality, I was going, but what will people think? Because my dad worked in 12 countries, 23 countries as it was, and actually I'm only working in five now. They're going to think I'm rubbish. They're going to think, what is his son doing with this? His dad's worked for all this time. And that, for me, was a big stumbling block. Because I was concerned about what would people think. God's got a great sense of humor, hasn't he? You know, he made me stop again and go, okay, you've made it down from sort of like 12 down to 5. I want you to do more. And I go, God, I really, really don't want to do this again. But actually, we had to stop and we had to focus again. And by focusing, what we've done is actually have more impact. The widows that you've seen, the projects that we work with in India, fully sponsored for the first time in 30-odd years. Speak to the projects that we're working with, and they're saying, actually, we much prefer working the way that you are. It's given us the ability to actually develop, to grow, to look for self-sustainability. You know, for 30-odd years, the mentality has been, actually, give me money, give me projects, give me more money. And what we've said to them now is actually... We're going to come away from that and we're saying what we're looking for is partnership and self-sustainability. You know, 37 years and, and trying to work with some of the guys when they've had it every month, they get their little money into their bank account. All of a sudden you're going, Ashley, we're going to give you this for the next couple of years. But actually what we want you to start doing is start thinking for yourself to actually start looking for money where you can generate money. What can you do? Now, we go to some churches in India, and there's churches there of 250, 300 people. And I'm going to them, Ashley, what's wrong with you sponsoring a child? What's wrong with you actually doing a wow walk? What's wrong with you actually doing something? Why, why do you think we've got all the answers? You know, the Western world is very, very different to where you are. But actually, you can do it. It's just about changing mentality. It's about shifting priorities and focusing on what God's calling them to do. You know, one of the best examples I can give you, on our website and on a lot of our literature, we have a boy called Shankar. He is now 27 years old, got married about a month ago. And uh, again, one of the boys who's come up through the children's home, seen him grow and everything else like that. Wherever I am in India, whether I'm in Mumbai, whether I'm in Bangalore, he will come again on a train. Last time I was there, he gave me an envelope with some money and he said, this is to sponsor a child. He's gone, I don't have a lot and I can do more, but this is just something that I feel God has told me to do. I value so much what has been done for me. I want to invest some of my money into another child's future. And you go, he's got it. So now part of what we're doing with the education is, is with the kids. It's actually saying, what can you do? Actually, if it's, if it's a quid a month, if it's two quid a month, you know, you can do something. But it has to come through focus and priorities. Do you know what? When we handed things over, what we actually did was create space for new projects. You know, at the time, I was having that battle of, I don't want to do it, I don't want to let go, I'm going to, what are people going to think? But actually, all of a sudden... We were given wow projects that you've just seen. We've been given projects in Ethiopia, in Uganda, and we've been given projects in the Philippines, which far outweigh, have grown anything that we had hold of before. So by letting go, by creating the space, God actually replenished and rebuilt more above and beyond. 
So the third point is, what do I need and what help can I get? Esther, she made those around her aware of what she was going through. She made herself accountable. She made herself accountable and got people to pray for her. Accountability is a massive thing, isn't it? We all need to be accountable to somebody. You know, I'm accountable to Rachel. She tells me what I should do all the time. But, you know, when you look around, when you look at the media, when you look at the news, there's always things that we can do. There's 21,000 children die every day from preventable diseases. 21,000 children worldwide die And the key word to this is preventable diseases. Just coming back from Ethiopia and Uganda, a mosquito net costs three pounds. And that will save a life. You know, mosquitoes absolutely love me. All right. If ever we go, if we go on mission anywhere, you stand next to me, you will not get bitten by a mosquito. All right. They just absolutely love me. And I I I tell you what, they they come up and they itch and and but actually three pounds, and I have malaria tablets, I have all of the things that we travel with, but actually talking to some of the widows just last week, how they've lost children to malaria, how they've lost family members to malaria, something that is so easily preventable. So you might say, what do I do a wow walk for? You do a wow walk so we can buy mosquito nets. You do a wow walk so we can feed, clothe, educate, Give them health and hygiene awareness. All the things that we take so often for granted. You know, I know because my mum told me that actually before I eat a meal, I need to wash my hands. That I need to clean my teeth. That I need to do the things that I do. If no one's ever told you, how do you know? Bulgaria last October, we went and we gave out these boxes. um, Christmas boxes that we gave out. And this is a good example of not knowing. Little boy, I, you always tend to watch, and he, he, he was quite cute, all right? He, he was filthy, he was dirty, but actually he had a massive smile on his face, and he was determined that he was going to get a Christmas box. And it was looking a bit dodgy, because there wasn't quite, I'm thinking there's not going to be enough boxes here, and we're going to have a riot with all these kids. But he was determined, and he, and he got in amongst the kids, and he was pushing, and he was shoving, and he nearly got to the front, and all of a sudden someone cottoned what he was doing, and he, he, whoa, he got pulled back. And I'm thinking... Oh, I really want him to have a box. And he, he, he came back and he stood there very, very patiently. And he got the last but one box. And as he stood there, he, he got this box. And to be honest, the kids must have been told, you do not open these boxes in front of everybody. They must have been told. But this little boy, he sat there on the front row with this little box. And you could see him like this. It was like, and he, you know, and of all the things that are in there, there's sweets and, and everything else like that in this box. And he just picked up the lid and I watched him, and he, he, he sort of like snuck off to a corner, and he's literally looking like this, and he's pulled this toothbrush out of his box. And he's looked at this toothbrush, and he brushed his hair with it, because he didn't know what a toothbrush was. My heart broke. My heart broke, because you think, actually, he's a three, four-year-old boy, whatever he is, and he doesn't even know how to clean his own teeth. And you go, we 
I've got to do something about that. No, Hannah, you know, she's a typical... Hannah, have you cleaned your teeth? You know, kids don't like to do it, do they? But actually, until you are told, you don't know. But actually, health hygiene programs are so important in what we do. But Esther... Going back to Esther, she looked around, she made herself accountable. And actually, you've heard this morning, great opportunities. We're talking about what, what can I do and what help do I need? You've heard about opportunities to plug into conferences, opportunities that will equip you, that will train you to do something. It's not always easy. And sometimes we think we have all the answers. I, I'm very fortunate, and some of you may know a gentleman called Ian Green. He used to run Youth Alive Ministries for Assemblies of God. He was the big youth leader. It wasn't he? Do you remember him, Phil? He was Ian Green. And I'm like, I'm stu- you know, and I, we started World Christian Ministries 10 years ago, and he, we sat and we're having, he was speaking at the hub, John Andrews Church in Rotherham, and he was the keynote speaker, and we were there just, you know, we were there. And, um, he just collared me and he said, look, you're new. This is what will happen, blah, 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 blah. He said, if you want to ring me, just here's my number. And I thought, well, I'm new to this. I've got all the business experience that I've got. I don't need his help, do I? I've, I've, I've ran multi-million pound businesses. That's no problem. I can do this. How difficult can be running a Christian charity be? Because we're all Christians and everyone's nice and, and everyone will want to help the kids and, and it will all come together because God's got all in control and that'll be fine. Three months later, when reality hit, I was sat in Ian Green's office. And I'm going, mate, I just don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? And he said, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to focus. You need to prioritize. And you need to get help from people around you. And my face must have been a classic. And he looked at me and he said, you don't like that, do you? I went, no, I don't, actually. I I don't like that at all. Get over it, was his answer. And I've gone... What do you mean, get over it? I was expecting pearls of wisdom. You are Ian Green, national youth leader, you know, and all the rest of it. And he's gone, get over it. And I've gone, but you're supposed to give me the answers. He's gone, no, 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 no. You've got the answers. You just need to focus and prioritize on all the things that you do. And you need to resource yourself. And you need to pull people around you that will help you. Tough lesson to learn. Because we all like to think, that in our own human being and our own endeavor, we can do the things that we are called to do. But actually, sometimes we do need to listen to others. We need to equip ourselves. So I would encourage you, go get involved in this mission. Go to the conferences. Expose yourself to different avenues of life of how you can do things. But actually, share your dream. Share your vision. Share what you're passionate about. We all have a story to tell. Phil said stood in front of 12 young Muslim lads. <laughs> a little bit nervous, a little bit intimidating, you could think. But actually, he's sharing what he's passionate about. He's sharing his dream. He's sharing what he's passionate about to those around him. And actually, we all have a story to tell. We've heard of miracles this morning. Actually, if you say nothing else, you can say the miracle. Hey, I know a guy in our church. And you started like that. It doesn't have to be complicated. So we've had what's the worst that can happen. We've had focus and priorities. We've had what do I need and what help can I get. And actually the last thing we we need to do is actually start moving forward. We actually start to do what God has called us to do. Esther, she had been prepared. She had been groomed. She had spent years being prepared to get before the king. 
And actually, when she got there, she took advantage of the position that she had been put in to save the nation of the Jews. Doesn't get much bigger than that. Actually, this morning, what position are you in? Where are you where you can have influence? Where are you where you can actually impact those people around you? We always tend to look for excuses. Actually, I can't do that because. As I said, finances, God will meet your need. I don't say that lightly. I can honestly say I don't say that lightly. But God will meet your need. Work situations, family situations. God's got it all under control. Go back to what I started with. He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. What's stopping you this morning? What's stopping you this morning getting out of your comfort zone and doing it? You know, from, from our perspective of WCM, what is stopping you sponsoring a widow? £10 a month will change a widow's life. It will help clothe. It will help give her health awareness. It will give her food parcels. £10 a month. That's three Costa coffees in a month. It's six, seven, seven king-size Snickers duos. (laughs) Don't ask me how I know that. I can say that because Rachel's not here. But actually, we talk about a cost. Are you prepared to pay the cost? Give up the costas. Give up the chocolate. Actually, what benefit can you have to others around you? It might not just be finance. It might be committing some of your time. My prayer and my hope this morning as I come to a close is that that is something that you can engage into. It just summarizes what we do, how we do it. But uh, I want to thank you again for everything that you do as a church, for your prayers, for your support that you give us. And actually, for what you're going to partner with us, doing the wow walks and everything else like that. But above all else, forgetting WCM, forget the sales pitch and and everything else like that. My heart and my passion is that you, despite the stomach feeling, the churning that you've got going on, will engage into doing something. The great commandment isn't an optional extra. It's all something that we are all called to do. Don't miss your opportunity to do something. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.